Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born again, fully. This is the Gospel Unbroken Podcast. Let's awaken the lion. up everybody welcome back to the gospel unbroken i hope everybody's having a great week and you guys are crushing it we're getting ready to roll into the weekend um i'm gonna waste no time i want to jump right into a story in the bible and specifically a story out of the book of acts uh and it starts in acts 9 meanwhile saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the lord's followers So he went to the high priest, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul replied, Who are you? Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately He began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. 
But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down and they sent him away to Tarshish. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. There is so much power and so many little details to unpack in this story. A lot of things that I hadn't thought about or noticed until I was, I was reading it this week. And so I felt, I felt like I wanted to talk about it and talk about what I had noticed and kind of how it correlated with you know, the sermon our pastor gave a couple weeks ago on putting people in boxes and a, a few conversations that I've had these last couple weeks. So let's, let's talk about Saul real fast. In the beginning of 9, the author takes no hesitation uh, in explaining how evil Saul is to the followers of Jesus, making him a very unlikely conversion. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. He, he then goes on, almost in a sense of premeditation. He requests letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. So he's going to great lengths to find the followers of Jesus to persecute them. But Saul is encountered by the Lord, right? Jesus comes to him, blinds him, and then sends him Ananias to put his hands on him, and he's no longer blind. We then read in 926, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Now, these believers just put Saul in a box. You were once this, so you will always be this. I have no proof that you are now who you say you are. Imagine if Paul or Saul had listened to them in his heart. Imagine what would have happened if Paul had allowed them to keep him in a box. Do you think uh, Saul or Paul would have went on to do all the works that he had did? Maybe. I don't know. We can only speculate. But we have to be cautious when we listen to what people say about us. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, I'm a child of God, built in his image. So are we going to listen to people? Or are we going to listen to God? Because if we listen to people, we'll stay in those boxes, right? 
people don't see what the Lord sees. They only see what they know, and they only see what people tell them. So be very cautious. Stand tall and stand firm in, in who you are, and don't let people put you in a box. Because the worst thing you can do is listen to people when they put you in that box, because then you will, in fact, chain yourself in that box. Here's where it got interesting for me. I I never really thought about Ananias very in depth. But then I read a description of him in, in a manner that would make a lot of sense to me as to what the Lord was asking him to do. Now, a little unknown fact about me. I'm kind of a history nerd. And, excuse me, uh, specifically when it comes to U.S. military history and war history in general. Um, So I've done a lot of studying on World War I, World War II. I've watched a lot of documentaries. and And I read... A description of Ananias put in terms like this. So so I'm going to read this to you. um, And hopefully this will make make a little bit more sense as to what I was now this time understanding. So imagine that the calendar on your wall reads June 1943. Further, imagine that your name is Ingmar, that you're a Christian of Jewish descent, and that you've been hiding for months in a cold attic of a Norwegian friend who is trying to conceal you from the occupying Nazis. Finally, imagine that God wakes you late one night to give you these following instructions. The Lord says, Ingmar, go to the house of Thorwald, the mayor, and ask for Adolf Hitler. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ingmar coming in and laying his hands on him so that he can see again. Now, how would you react? You'd probably argue with God. At a very minimum, you'd probably question him. Now, wait just a minute, Lord. This madman has put the torch to all of Europe, and he's hell-bent on wiping out your people. I've even heard that he's come here specifically to round us up and ship us all off to Auschwitz. Who could blame you for these reactions? Surely not a man named Ananias. After all, he did get some divine instructions like those. And he did react in the same manner. So try to put yourself in this frightened guy's shoes. A violent leader named Saul had for many weeks been using ridiculous tactics to imprison and murder every believer in Christ that he could find. One day he... He announces that he plans to go to Damascus, which is your hometown where he intends to continue out his murderous work. Ananias didn't know it, but God had chosen Saul to become one of heaven's most trusted ambassadors. To accomplish this remarkable transformation, the Lord knocked Saul to the ground with a brilliant pulse of light, blinding Saul and terrifying his stupefied companions. Not knowing what else to do, the stunned men brought their disabled leader into the city, and they left him in the house of a Jew. Now here's where you enter Ananias and God's outlandish marching orders. Had God told you to seek out Saul so he could regain his sight? Well, if I obey, you might have thought, you know, he'll begin his reign of terror all over again. 
when Ananias expressed concerns about going and ministering to Saul, God simply said, go. And Ananias went. He obeyed without receiving one assurance of protection. God told Ananias nothing but that he had chosen to use Saul to spread his good news. Now, we don't know how Ananias gathered up the courage to, 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 to obey God's orders. I mean, perhaps maybe he heard some of God's ancient words. Isaiah 51, 12, I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans? We must not let our fear overcome our obedience to God. Fear is a tough thing to overcome. And too often, naturally, uh, we listen to fear over our knowledge of God's word. But we have to remember that when we are faced with a situation where we are being called by God to do something that is out of character of us, it is out of our normal, it's out of our comfort zone, uh, it's out of what we, out of the realm of what we know, we have to remember that we don't know the future. We don't know God's plan. God sees everything. God knows everything. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. So he knows what the ultimate plan is. He knows what the ultimate goal is. So when we feel God calling us to do something, fearful or not, we have to do everything in our humanly power to obey and pray for the courage for the ability for the things that we can't. Imagine what would have happened if Ananias hadn't obeyed God. Would we have half of the New Testament that we have today? Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, all, all, all the epistles of Paul. Would we have those? Maybe. I don't know. Would Saul have went on to continue to slaughter Jesus' followers? Even being blind? I don't know but it's worth thinking about. What are the consequences for not obeying God? I, I was put in a situation uh, when my mother got cancer. The last thing I wanted to do was move back to Washington. I had ran from Washington for so many reasons, and the last thing I wanted to do was move back here. And call it, call it what you want, but there was a sense of fear of moving back here. Afraid I'd have to face things that I'd never faced. Afraid I'd fall back into to the ways that I ran from. I'd fall back into addiction. I'd fall back into running with the wrong crowd. Yeah, it was a fear. But I believe that it was God calling me through my mother when she said, you know, bud, I think it's time you come home. Now, I don't know what the outcome would have been had I not moved home. But I know what the outcome wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have married my wife. I wouldn't have the family that I have. I wouldn't have the church that I have. I wouldn't be surrounded by the men that I'm surrounded by. I wouldn't be talking into this microphone. But it would have been very easy for me to just temporarily come back until my mom passed and then up and run again. But that was not what God was calling me to do. And I think 
the Lord every day that he gave me the strength to obey what he was calling me to do. Let's talk about a, a couple other unlikely candidates in this story. Let's go to 923. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lured him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Let's talk about those other believers. What kind of courage do you think that took? Do you, do you think that they had any fear in the back of their mind? Well, if we protect this guy that all our buddies are trying to kill, what are they going to do to us if they find out? Or what if they had just not done it? What if they had listened to all their buddies and, you know, and they're saying, hey, you guys can't be helping that guy. He did this and he did that and he... He was this, like he, no, he, he's not, he's not who you think he is. Put him in a box. Again, do you think we would have the New Testament that we have today? I don't know, but it, it's got, it had me thinking. And so again, we have to be very careful when we choose who and what to listen to. We got to listen to God's word. Don't put people in a box. We're not the judge. Who am I to, to say you aren't what you say you are? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't see what God sees. So uh, again, be very cautious with the information that you consume and, and how you choose to listen to it and apply it. And then just a little bit later on, Right here. It says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. We as humans believe what we know, and we believe what we see. So because he was saying one thing, they're like, well, no, 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 man. We, we know you as this guy. We know you did this, and we know you did that. It was like when I started this podcast. I don't know if any of you follow or see the comments, but some people close to me who knew me who I was long ago, uh, they made some comments. This man's a liar. He's not who he says he is. This whole following Jesus thing is fake. It'll wear off in time. That's who they knew. But again, they put people in a box. They put me in a box. The people of Jerusalem put Saul in a box. But we have to make the choice, one, not to listen to people when they put us in a box, and two, not to listen to people when they put other people in a box. For judgment remains with the Lord and the Lord only. So I just wanted to, to dive into that and, and talk about kind of what I was reading this week uh, when I read through that. And just a you know a reminder, we are to love everyone. We are to pray for everyone. You know, and a lot of these things we do without thinking about. We do without consciously making whatever. You know, you see a homeless guy on the corner. How? It's so sad that too often our brain, the first place we go to, 
is off. Look at this homeless guy. Junkie. Drug addict. You know, get off the street. You know, what are you begging for money for? Go get a job. Like, how often does our brains go there? I mean, I'm guilty. Like, it happens. And that is not who Jesus has called us to be. In that moment, we are effectively putting that guy in a box or putting that girl in a box. We don't know their story. We don't know how they got there. Sure, maybe they made some really bad decisions. But are you going to stand before God and say, I never made a bad decision? Because I've made a lot of them. So who am I to, to say those things or to even think those things? And again, Sometimes it just pops in our head, but like that that is the moment in which we have the choice to reframe our thinking, to change the posture of our heart, to pray for Jesus to work through us. So that was just my my two cents and my food for thought this week. Um next week we'll jump back into Romans and, and keep going through there. And imagine that. We've been diving into a book that was written by Paul. Had he listened to people, we wouldn't be talking about Romans. Had the the other believers listened to their buddies and not helped him, Paul probably would have been murdered before he was ever Paul. So keep that in mind. Pray about it. Um, dive into Acts nine, and you know I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Um, but that's all I got. So as always, stay bold, stay courageous. In the word. Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born again, fully, yes, evangelical. Hey, my commitment is consistent in my father's work. How can you say that you a Christian if you're not at work?